Welcome to the podcast for Green Hill Church. You can find out more information about Green Hill Church and how to take your next step with Jesus online at greenhillchurch.com. Morning, those of you who are worshiping online. We are excited. The beginning of really the middle of February, we're going to uh, challenge us as a church to collectively, all together, walk through this study, Experiencing God. A lot of times on Wednesday nights and throughout uh, the years, we have a lot of different studies that we offer, and that's good, and I think it's important because people are at different places, and we want to be able to offer that. But we started talking as a team, what would it look like if together all of us encounter God in a way where we're not just knowing about him and singing about him, but we are experiencing him? As we open God's word together and as we dive deep into it and as we do the daily work where we're saturating our minds and studying the scriptures and seeing where God is at work and being able to discern and know God's will and then being able to walk in that together, I believe that God can do something powerful in us and through us in a way that we haven't even yet seen. I hope my prayer is that you would be willing to step out as we move forward together as a church into this study. Now, this is not mandatory. We're not going to make you do this, all right? But I do invite you and I encourage you to consider and pray if you would be willing to engage in this. Our goal that we've talked about um, for the last several months is what would it look like if 200 of our people engage in this study? It's a 12-week, 13-week study where each day that there's work, that you have a workbook and you're opening God's word and you're filling in the blanks. He's got, I mean, look, this is work, folks. All right, we're not talking about, you know, we want to go deep into this. And so we're encouraging, we're inviting you. Casey's been working really hard. I'm gonna let him give you some of the logistics and details about it. But would you be willing to consider joining a group and walking through this together? And let's see what God wants to do in us and through us. Casey, tell us a little bit about uh, what's coming. We're starting registration today, today for groups Correct. for the next three or four weeks. Yep. And then walk us through what's going to happen next. All right. So we are starting registration today for Experiencing God. And you could register today through the QR codes that you'll see in the hallway. You could go to the hub and go ahead and register today on the iPads that are at the hub. Or you could go to greenhillchurch.com to be able to register. We have about 18 different offerings for uh, this class, uh, but we're not offering this on Sunday morning. And we're not doing it on Sunday morning strategically. Why don't you share with the church yep. just a little bit about why we chose not to do it on, on Sunday morning and are, are going to do this in addition to life yep. groups? So our church, our strategy is life groups. Uh, that's, that, that happens. Uh, most of those groups happen on Sunday mornings. Uh, there are some that meet at other times. Those groups, by definition, are what we call open groups, meaning this. Every week we expect new people from our community to come to our church and we want them to be engaged in community with one another. A study like this is designed to be what we would call a closed group, meaning this, that it's a group that starts and finishes together. Why? Because it's going to involve a lot of conversation about how God is at work in your life every single week. And because there's homework, the study that day when you meet is geared around the work that you did. So a new person shows up and they feel left out. Right, And so we want to be able to continue those life groups and continue to create space for people on Sunday mornings to be able to gather into that. The other thing is um, the limited time that we have on Sunday mornings in life group won't allow for us to have as meaningful conversation as what I think can happen through experiencing God. So those are a couple of reasons why. Perfect. The opportunity that you have this morning is to look through those 18 different groups that are offered on uh, Sunday morning. We will have one Sunday morning offering for some for folks that maybe haven't gotten connected into a life group yet. We have some on Sunday nights, we have some on Wednesday nights, and also some during the week that will function as home groups both on and off campus. And so you can just look through those. They are limited to the amount of spots because we want to keep these groups about 12 or 14 folks so that we can walk through this uh, well together. And so as you look through there, there's already some groups that are full because they function uh, 
uh, as a life groups on Sunday night that they're going to walk through this uh, group together. Uh, so if you uh, go there and you see one of the things are full, look at the different offerings that we have during the different hours and different days and choose what fits best with your schedule. This is a 12 to 13 week commitment. Um, we're not going to be, you know, uh, getting on to you if you're, if you're not there, but we're asking you to make a commitment that you're there uh, to walk through this for 12 or 13 uh, weeks together. And uh, you can see uh, in the offerings who the teacher is, where they're at in the building, and what times they are, so you can choose one wisely. And we've intentionally designed these groups uh, to function that it can be multi-generational, um, but at the same time, we've also created space for every generation to be able to participate in this. Um, and that includes our students, uh, middle school and high school as well. Uh, Noah and our student team have, have put together some opportunities on Sunday evenings for you. Um, and so we're very excited about that, to be able to walk through that uh, together. So, um, Casey, thank you for, for your leadership. Thank you for those of you who have already committed to facilitate and to lead these groups. Uh, we're expectant of what God's going to do. Those of you who are uh, watching online and aren't here this morning, uh, you can register, as Casey said, online. You can just go to the church website site and go ahead and look at those and find them there. Um, and so we're excited about what God's going to do with this. In your registration form, there is an opportunity there for you uh, to uh, pay for your book. These books cost us about $25 and the church is going to pick up the $15. We believe it's so important in the life of our church that we're going to pick up the $15 and we're asking you to uh, pay the $10 just as a way to have a little skin in the game so that you will uh, want to do the work. Uh, for some reason, that, that $10 is, is an issue for you. Please uh, see me. We have some scholarships available for folks that, that need books and we'll start handing these books out to our leaders, and uh, you'll be getting your book uh, at, your, at your first uh, meeting. And so if you have any questions about that, I'll be in the hallway today at the Hub. Renee will be in the hallway at the Hub today, and we can help you get uh, registered uh, today. Or if you have any questions over these next few weeks, please stop me in the hallway and let's talk. Awesome. Thank you, Casey. Let's pray. And ushers, would you come forward as we take up our tithes and offering this morning? Father, we come before you as a church. God, as your people, Lord, we are hungry, we are desperate to experience you. Lord, we've just sung about how powerful the name of Jesus is. How great and how mighty that you are. And God, we don't want to just sing about it. Lord, we want to experience it. We want to know you. So God, I pray that you would use these weeks of this study, Lord, that you would use this semester as in the life of our church, as we strive, as we long, as we seek after you, God, that you would reveal yourself to us in such a special way. And God, that you would accomplish your purposes in us and through us in a way that we've never experienced before. So that we would be able to walk away and not just say, I believe in God. We can walk away and say, I know God, I have experienced God, and nobody can take that from me. Lord, I pray that you would stir in the hearts of your people a hunger and a desire to know you. God, we thank you that we are able to gather this morning. God, we thank you for the beauty of the snow that we experienced this week. We thank you for the reminder that each day is new, that your mercies are good and your mercies are new. God, I thank you for the generosity of this church to live on mission. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use the gifts, the, the ties that are taken up today for your kingdom and for your glory so that the world may know how good you are in your salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
stand together as we worship. blessing all honor and glory and power is to you this morning God I pray that everything that we do in our worship in our in the teaching that it's all for you God it's not about us we are worshiping you telling telling you thank you for what you've done God and I pray this morning that you speak through Pastor Brandon as he brings the word that you would move in a mighty way among us this morning that you change us, God, mold and shape my heart into who you want me to be. Lord, we just thank you. We love you. 
We give you all the honor and glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. This morning we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. While you're turning there, uh, several, not several, many years ago, William Carey, he was known as the father of the modern missionary movement. He preached one of his most famous sermons, and it had two points. Now, some of you are like, man, that would be great if we could have a sermon with just two points, but I'm, I'm, I would be willing to bet he expounded quite a bit on these two points, but his two points were this, point number one, expect great things from God, and point number two, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. I think what he's getting at is one can attempt great things for God when one expects God to do great things. Church, I wonder if we expect God to do great things. Are we a people who are hungry to see God do great things? William Carey, who preached this message, he only had a grade school education. He grew up in England, and later in his life, he would translate the Bible into dozens of languages and dialects so that people who didn't have a copy of God's word in their own language would have one. He would live 40 years of his life in India, proclaiming the name of Jesus. Why? What drove his courage to do what many of us would consider the unthinkable, particularly even at that time in history? It's this. He lived by these words that he wrote in his journal in 1794. He wrote this, Oh, what is there in all this world worth living for but the presence and service of God? Oh, what is there in all this world worth living for but the presence and service of God? And he writes these words, I feel a burning desire that all the world may know this God and serve him. He attempted great things courageously. Why? Because he knew God in such a way that he expected God to do great things. This morning, as we continue our series, Courageous, Forward Together, I want us to look at Joshua chapter 1 in the life of Joshua. And how God calls this man, and as God uses this man, and the words that he speaks to Joshua at the beginning of this endeavor is, be strong and be courageous. Now, if you remember last week, as we began this series, we started in Exodus chapter 33, we started with Moses, and we started with the people of Israel, and and God tells Moses, they're at Mount Sinai, and he says, Get up and go. It's time for you to move forward, to go and take the land that I've promised. But if you remember, God changes things. God's disappointed because the people had rebelled against him and made false idols. And he says, I'm not going to go with you, though. I'm sending an angel in my place. It's going to go before you, and and he'll accomplish all that needs to be accomplished so that you can have a land. But my presence will not be with you. And Moses says this. He says, Don't make us go anywhere unless your presence goes with us. And that's the foundation for us as a church as we press on, as we move forward as a church. That's our heart. That's our desires that we don't go anywhere, that we don't do anything unless the presence of God goes with us. Because we can't do great things unless God does great things. 
He alone can do it. And this morning in Joshua chapter 1, we hear these words, Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is what? With you. With you. Joshua chapter 1. Let's read it together, beginning in verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. It says, And after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In these verses, God gives us a glimpse into this commissioning moment for Joshua to become the leader of the Israelites as they enter into the promised land. The clear, repeated call on Joshua's life in this text is be strong and be courageous. If you notice, as we read it, it was repeated three different times. Three different times The Lord speaks into Joshua. He says, be courageous, be strong. Now, as we read this, these are are verses that we probably many of you have memorized. We we actually have a, 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 a framed picture, if you will, with these words written on it in our son's room. We want our son, we want our family, we want to be a people that are strong and courageous. Why? Because we know that the Lord our God is with us. Now, it's interesting, though, that this is not the first time we hear these words. We always go to Joshua 1.9 when we think of it, but it's not the first time that we hear this. In fact, it's repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, Moses says to all the people, not just Joshua, you see, this word, be strong and courageous, is not just for the leader. The word be strong and be courageous is for all the people. Deuteronomy 31.6, this is what Moses tells the people. He he says in in verse 1 earlier, he says, guys, listen, I'm 120 years old. He says, I can barely go in and out anymore. In other words, he says, "I'm I'm on the way out, if you will. I've got a word that you need to hear, and it's this in verse 6. You ready? Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. Who's them? the people that they're going to encounter as they walk into the promised land. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And then in verse 7, we see it repeated again. Joshua tells all the people, and then in verse 7, he turns to Joshua, Moses does, and he says, Joshua, you be strong and be courageous. Why? Because he knows that Joshua is going to be taking his place in the mantle of leadership. And so we hear these words over and over again, be strong, be courageous, be strong, be courageous. And the question becomes, why? Why is this repeated so many times in this moment in the history of Israel? It's because of what happened 40 years before this moment. 
40 years before this moment, the Israelites found themselves on the southern border of the promised land. And it was at that moment, they were on the verge, they were on the the edge of all that God had promised them was right in front of them. And so God says to Moses, and we see this over in Numbers, God says to Moses, he says, hey, grab some spies, grab 12 men, and I want you to send them over into the promised land, and I want them to scout it out. I want them to go and see how good is the land. Is it full of fruit? Is it full of life? Is it full of trees? Is it full of goodness and all the blessings that I've said that it is? Go and see what lies ahead. Go look at the people. Go go see what's before you. And so we know that these 12 spies, they go in for 40 days into the land. And when they come back, they bring literally fruit hanging from sticks that they're carrying between one another to show the fruitfulness and the goodness of this land that God has promised to give them. And they come back and they give a report and they talk about how fruitful it is and all the blessings of it. They say it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Now that, by the way, is not literally rivers of milk, of whole milk, 2%, skim milk, whatever you like. It's not chocolate milk, you know. It's it's symbolic of this idea that it's a land of nourishment and plenty and of blessing and provision that God is going to give them. And so they come And they give this report. But the majority of the spies, they say, however, the cities are fortified. The people are giants. They will destroy us. They're scared out of their mind. It talks about how they are in fear of what they encounter. And they rile up the people so much so that they say, oh my goodness, what have we gotten ourselves into? And they murmur against one another and with one another and they say this, let's find a new leader, watch this, don't miss this, who will take us back to Egypt. We would rather go back into slavery than to courageously move forward. But a man named Joshua and a man named Caleb said, hold on, hold on, and listen to what they say over in Numbers chapter 14. In verse 4, we see the Israelites, they say, let us choose a leader. Let us go back to Egypt. And then verse 5, it says, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied on the land, they tore their clothes and they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, Listen, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land, and he will give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not, listen to this, only do not rebel against the Lord. And watch this, and do not fear the people. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. In other words, they say, I don't care what's before us. God is with us. Now listen to how they responded to that message. Verse 10, then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Praise the Lord, you are a gracious congregation. They wanted to stone them. And so here's what God does. He says, if you're not going to step forward courageously in faith with me, then you're not going. And he says, you're going to turn around and for 40 years, one year for every day that those spies were in that land, you're going to walk through the wilderness for 40 more years. And 
and, and don't miss this, they were fearful that their kids would be destroyed by the Canaanites. That's what it says. And so God says, we're going to make you walk through the wilderness for 40 years to your kids. And you're going to miss out. Because you're not willing to step forward courageously. So 40 years later, Joshua chapter 1. Moses is dead. And in fact, in case we don't miss it, he wants us to hear it twice. After the death of Moses, verse 1, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses is gone. Joshua is now in the lead. They're not on the southern border anymore. They're on the eastern border on the other side of the Jordan River. And it's now that same moment in their life where they are on the crust, they're on the edge, they're on the verge of entering into the very promise that God had given And so what does God tell Joshua? What does God speak into the people? Be strong and be courageous because your parents were not. And so in this moment, we have this powerful picture of this reality that God is calling the people of God to move forward courageously, not fearing but trusting that God himself is with them. Church, I believe that God is calling us to move forward courageously. And I want to walk through this text, and I want, to, I want to pull out, I want to show us three realities that will be the realities for us as a church if we would simply be strong and courageous. The first one is this. The mission of God will be our aim. If you're a part of Green Hill Church, the mission of God will be our sole aim and focus. It has to be. It must be. Notice verse 1, Joshua chapter 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go. Go over the Jordan and take the land that I've promised. This land that I have inherited. You see, this is a profound truth that we can't miss. Just because Moses is dead does not mean that the mission of God changes. The mission of God is timeless. The mission of God was not just for Abraham. It was not just for Isaac. It was not just... For that generation or this generation, it wasn't just for Moses. The mission of God is continuous through time until it is finished. And can I just tell you, church, this morning that the same God who spoke to Joshua that says, arise and go, is the same God who's speaking to us this morning, telling us as a church to arise and go and be on mission, his mission, to do what he says. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. And if we do anything else, if our aim is on anything else other than the very mission of God and what he has called us to do as a church, then we are failures, quite honestly. We've missed it. Listen, God will not stop until his purposes are finished, until they are accomplished, and until they are done. He says, get up and go. The mission must be complete. I am sending my people into this land that I'm giving them. And I love this about the mission of God. He will accomplish it. You understand this. It will happen. He's going to get it done. With us or without us. Forty years ago, it was without them. Now, in Joshua 1, it's with them. And I think it's important for us to notice this. Look at verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised. Notice verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. In other words, I will do it. 
I will accomplish my purposes. I will accomplish my mission. And so he tells him three times over, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. In verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Listen, before God gives clarity and strategy as to how to go about doing it, he says, you need to make sure that you are fortified, that you are strong, and that you are courageous. Why? Because God is inviting us into his divine action. And listen, if he's inviting us into that, you better believe it's going to require some strength and some courage. Because it's moving you from yourself and what's comfortable to what is uncomfortable because it's divine, because it's other, it's different, it's bigger than you. It requires strength and courage. Now, church, I've got a hard question for us this morning. Does the Christianity practiced today among the average churchgoer require any strength or courage? Does your daily living out of your faith require any strength or courage in the Lord? Could it be that the enemy has reduced the Christian faith to simply just being a morally good person who shows up to church every so often? Can I just be honest? In our culture here, that doesn't take much strength or courage. But if we expect God to do great things, then we will step in courage and strength to accomplish those things. Why? Because we understand that the mission of God is our aim. Listen, church, God is inviting us not to be spectators on the sideline, but participants in the field. You see, the mission of God didn't change from Moses to Joshua, but the role did. And can I just say that the mission of God hasn't changed for us, but the role has? Your job and my job is not to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. Your job and my job is to lead the people of this world to heaven, the true promised land. And it doesn't look like us fighting battles of Jericho. It looks like us fighting spiritual battles by proclaiming the gospel, by being on our knees, by interceding for those who are far from God, who showing grace and showing kindness and speaking into their lives and saying, can I just tell you about the God that's changed my life and he can change your life too? The mission of God must be our aim. Here's how I know this. Listen, what's the mission of God? Did you know that Joshua's name is not Joshua? Did you know this? When we see that Moses calls out the spies to go into the land, Joshua is one of them, but his name is not Joshua in that moment. It's Hosea. And it says in that chapter, Numbers chapter 13, that Moses changes his name from Hosea to Joshua. And here's the significance behind this. Hosea means deliverance. Praise the Lord for that. It means saves. Joshua means Yahweh delivers. Yahweh saves. It was as if God spoke to Moses and he said, I need you to understand that Joshua is going to be a man of strength and courage and faith. And it's not going to be him that saves. It's not going to be him that delivers. It's going to be me, Yahweh. And so you need to change his name so that all the world knows what my mission is. And my mission is this, simply this, to deliver people, to rescue people. And he rescued them into the land of provision, flowing with milk and honey. And he is rescuing us in the land with streets of gold, that we will dwell with him for all of eternity. The mission of God has not changed, and our aim must be focused. Pastor Adrian Rogers, the longtime pastor at the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis years ago, 
He described the church's mission well when he said this. We are all to bring all men by all means to Jesus by any cost. By any cost. Why? Because Jesus and Jesus alone saves. What's your aim in your life? Is it the mission of God? Because that's our heart. That's our desire here at Green Hill Church. Number two is this. If the first is the mission of God will be our aim, number two, the word of God will be our guide. The word of God will be our guide. Look at verse seven. He doubles down. He told him in verse six, be strong and courageous. Now in verse seven, he says, only be strong and very courageous. Now, he's not, listen, this is not a motivational speech. This is not pumping up his emotions and and building up his courage and saying, man, you got this, man. It's game time. Let's go, right? You've been in those moments. If you play sports in the locker room, it's that halftime speech and the, the coach is firing you up and you're ready to get back out on the field. That's not what he's doing right here. He's undergirding this strength and this courage with the very word of God. Notice what he says in verses seven and eight. He says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. Then you'll make your way prosperous. God takes extra time in this commissioning to say, let me remind you of where your life needs to be. Your life needs to be in my word and in my ways. You see, we can't have our aim focus on the mission of God unless we are in the word of God. Because it's the word of God that directs us to the mission of God. You see, there's a few things I want to pull out of these two verses. Notice the word all in verse 7. He says, to do according to all the law that Moses has given. It's every bit of it. It's all of it. Now, at this point, they didn't have what we have. Okay, this, they didn't have all of this. What they had, what most scholars say, is they had a good majority, probably most all of Deuteronomy, which is where the law is truly spelled out. This is how you're to live your life in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. This is how you interact with one another. This is how you interact with God. This is how you live your life. And he says, you are to do all that I have given It's not some, it's not that which we find easy, it's not that which fits our culture, it's not that which makes most sense to me. No, he says, do it all. Do it all. And then he says, do not turn to the left or the right of it. In other words, don't drift just a little bit and say, well, I'm I'm not that far off from what God says. No, you see, it's to be our guide, it's to be our director, our wayfinder, the navigation tool of our lives. When we look to the word of God and we remain true to what it says, we can ensure that our life and our heart is in surrender and submission to his ways and his mission. And in that, God blesses. Let me, let me break this down into two categories for us as a church. How do we know as a church that we are aligned with what God wants us to be aligned with. Right here. I I hope that you have found, I'm holding to my word that I'm going to be a pastor who on Sunday mornings is simply just going to try as best I can to open God's word and to preach and to teach what God's word says. You don't need my opinion. It's often wrong. You need the word of God. Our church needs the word of God. Life group leaders who each week give of their time and and, and their energy to to study and to, to open their mouths to you in a small group setting. If they're not teaching God's word, would you come tell me, please? 
Tell Pastor, we, we need to be a church where in our small groups, we're opening God's word and not saying, hey, this is what I think, but no, this is what the word of God says. All ages. That's what will align our lives to being a church on mission. Can I, can I just, I can't tell you how many times I have guests tell me it's been so hard to find a church that teaches and preaches the word of God. That's a sad state of reality of our culture. But listen, it is an easy drift to begin one step and then one step and then one step. Why? Because we feel more comfortable that way when we don't have to to handle hard scripture and hard truth. But this is not what God has called us to do. And what he's saying to Joshua says, if you're going to lead my people to where I'm calling you to lead my people to accomplish what I want to accomplish, then there's only one way, and it's my word. And so we as a church must hold to the word of God. But individually, it's not enough to just show up here on Sundays or Wednesdays or in a Bible study. If, if you yourself are not engaging in the word of God, saturating your life in it, then how are you to know whether you've stepped to the right or stepped to the left of what God says? You can't. And so we must be a people who engage and saturate ourselves in the word of God. Why? Because God's design of how we are to live our life in a manner that is pleasing to him, glorifying to him, and quite honestly, best for us, is spelled out in scripture. Why are marriages broken in our world? Because they're not being lived out according to God's design. Why are families broken? Because we have redefined what family is. Why are people struggling and broken? Because they're choosing to live their way instead of God's way and God's design. The word of God speaks to marriage, it speaks to sexuality, it speaks to identity, it speaks to work, it speaks to ethics, it speaks to morality, it speaks to truth, it speaks to wisdom. And if we would simply just saturate ourselves in it, we would know. And then in knowing, we can walk. And in walking, we can be on mission and people can see God. So how do we do that? Notice what he says. He tells Joshua very specifically in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, you should be speaking about it. When when you are squeezed, what comes out of your mouth? Is it the word of God? And then he says this. He says, but you should what? He said, it should not come out of your mouth, but you shall meditate meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do what it says. In other words, this is not, the, this is not the, the, the cultural Eastern meditation that our culture loves, where we go mindless. This is where we simply just engage in the word of God and think on it, and we dwell on it, and we pray on it, and we think about God and his character, we think about his ways and his truth, and we meditate on it. Saturate yourself with the word of God. You see, it's not just about us obeying God, but it's also about us knowing God. Last week in Exodus chapter 33, verse 13, do you remember what Moses asked God? When God says, my presence is not going with you, but you still got to go. Moses' request, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Listen, we don't read God's word to find a list of rules to obey. We read God's word to find a savior to fall in love with, to know his ways, to know his heart, to know his desire, to know his passion, to know his calling, to know what he prioritizes, to know him. And in knowing him, we know his ways. And then out of relationship and out of intimacy and out of being with him, we simply say, I can't do anything else but walk according to his ways. This is what the word of God does when it gets inside of us.
Church, this is, quite honestly, and I, I need to just say this as clearly as I can, this is the heartbeat for why we're doing experiencing God as a church. It has nothing to do with saying, look how many people we got in a Bible study. It has nothing to do with just making people get in a Bible study. It has everything to do with us saturating ourselves in the Word of God so that we can be aligned to the mission of God, so that we can do this together. So notice the implications. He says, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now, a lot of health and wealth preachers take this and they're like, let's go, come on. Let's. Prosperous here is not talking about financial gain. Prosperous here is talking about being successful on the mission and the purposes that God has set you out on. You will find success in your life. You will find purpose in your life. You will find meaning prosperous in walking according to God's ways. Church, our success as a church is not going to be tied to church growth strategies. Our success as a church is going to be tied to the people of this church holding to the word of God. When we do this, God will take care of the rest. Number three, simply this, the presence of God will be our assurance. The presence of God will be our assurance. Last week, the whole sermon, the purpose is the presence of God. You remember this? But what's the theme that's throughout this whole text? Be strong and courageous. Not because you're strong and courageous. What? Be strong and courageous. Why? Because I, the Lord your God, am with you. My presence is with you. Look at verse 9. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be fearful, he says. Do not be dismayed. In other words, do not walk away disappointed. Do not be frustrated by what you're going to encounter. Why? Because the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Can I be honest? When you walk in obedience to the mission of God and hold to the word of God, you will find yourself in what I would just describe as scary situations. You will find yourself in moments that are unstable. You will find yourself in situations where you're not comfortable, where people are pressing against you. Quite honestly, our culture is moving to a place where it becomes very difficult for the Christian in the workplace to uphold Christian standards and values. It could cost you your job. But he says, don't be fearful. Don't be dismayed. I've got this. You need nothing else than me. You don't have to be afraid. And you don't have to quit. You see, the common thread throughout all of this, not just in this text, but throughout all of it, is this. God's presence changes everything. We can continue on, we can press on, because God is there. Imagine being Joshua. Moses, the servant of God, is dead. Did you know that that statement, that title for Moses, the servant of God, is not used for anybody else? It's reserved for Moses. Hey, Joshua, you're up to bat It's a lot of weight. It's a lot of weight. He's standing there and he's looking, watch this, he's looking at a flooded Jordan River. It's flooded in this time. You want me to cross that? Hey, Jericho is just on the other side of the river, the most fortified city in all the land. You sure about this, God? Don't forget, I'm with you. I'm with you. Talk about insecurity. Don't miss this. In the moments of insecurity of God's call on our life, God reassures us with this word, I am with you. Listen, there are some of you at a point of conflict, of the insecurity of knowing that you need to step forward in obedience to something that God is putting on your heart, but the insecurity of your weakness is rising up and battling against that. And here's what God has for you this morning. 
I've got you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Be strong. Be courageous. Step forward. Now, don't miss this. Why in the world does verse 11, look at verse 11, verse 10. And Joshua commanded all the officers of the people, verse 11, you ready? Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for in three days, we're passing through this Jordan River and we're going to take the land. Immediately, he says, let's go. Let's go. Can I just be honest with you? When I read that, I'm like, man, Joshua, here it is. You ready? It didn't happen in an instant. God had been spending years preparing Joshua for this moment so that when the moment came, he simply said, let's go. I don't know if you caught this. Last week in Exodus chapter 33, the tent of meeting that was outside the camp where the cloud would come down and meet with Moses face to face as if he was talking to a man face to face. In that text, in Exodus chapter 33, do you know what it says? Listen to this. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, verse 11, as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, you ready? Would not depart from the tent. Joshua had been dwelling in the presence of God. He had seen God. He had known God. And so when God says, I'm with you, he says, I know you are. Let's go. Could it be that the world is not waiting for God to get more power to accomplish his purpose? But rather, could it be that the world is waiting for more men and women, teenagers and young children to simply say, let's go. God's with us. Who can stop us? Who can stop us? Ever been snow skiing? A few years ago, we took our kids snow skiing and we taught them how to snow ski. One of the most difficult things about skiing is keeping the tips of the skis together. They like to do this. And then you do the splits. And it's hilarious for the people watching. We found that it was difficult for our kids to keep the tips of their skis together in learning how to ski. And some brilliant individual came up with this device. It's called a tether. And on each end of the tether, there's a clamp. And you clamp the tips of those skis together so that when you're skiing, they can't depart. Do you want to know why Joshua said, get the camp ready, let's go? You ready for it? Because his heart was tethered to God's heart. He didn't leave the tent. He didn't leave the presence of God. He walked in it. He sat in it. He saturated himself in it. This command to meditate on the word of God and not depart from it was not something new. This is something that Joshua had been doing all his life from a young boy. He was tethering his life to God so that when God... When the right ski goes to the right, the left ski goes with it. When the left ski goes to the right, the right ski goes with it. Church, is your heart tethered to the heart of God? Because when it is, that's when we'll find ourselves strong and courageous. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a word that is good, that is difficult, but yet it's good that you have called us to be a people willing to step out courageously to move forward for the mission of God that does not change and has not changed and will not change. God, would you raise up people in this church whose hearts are tethered to the heart of God so that we can accomplish God-sized things for your glory. Lord, you know what lies ahead. So Lord, with open hands, we as a church, we say, 
Lord, use us. God, make us strong. Make us courageous in you. Remind us of your presence. Remind us of your glory. Remind us that with you, nothing is impossible. God, would you accomplish it? In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, there may be some personal decisions in your life that you need to respond to. Maybe that's salvation. Maybe you don't know this, God. Maybe God is whispering and he's calling you into salvation. Maybe, maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's time to be strong and courageous and be obedient to baptism. Maybe God's calling you to be on mission, to be on the mission field. Maybe God's calling you to ministry. Maybe God's calling you to go to your neighbor that you know needs Jesus and speaking truth and speaking the gospel to them. Whatever that is this morning, would you just be willing to surrender that? Pastor Casey, myself, will be down here to encourage you, to pray with you, to talk through any decision that you have. Let's stand. Let's respond to the Lord in song. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Green Hill Church. For more information about Green Hill Church, go to greenhillchurch.com. Thanks for listening.